Today's scripture reading will be from Genesis 16. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had bore him no children, and she had an Egyptian maid. And she had an Egyptian servant, whose name was Haggai. And Sarai said to Abram, Behold, the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. Go into my servant. It may be that I shall obtain children by her. And Abram listened to the voice of Sarai. So after Abram had lived 10 years in the land of Canaan, Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian, her servant, and gave her to Abram, her husband, as a wife. And he went into Hagar and conceived. And she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, she looked with contempt on her mistress. And Sarai said to Abram, May the wrong done to me be on you. I gave my servant to your embrace. And when she saw that she had conceived, she looked on me with contempt. May the Lord judge between you and me. But Abram said to Sarai, Behold, your servant is in your power. Do to her as you please. Then Sarai dealt harshly with her, and she fled from her. The angel of the Lord found her by, the sp by a spring of water in the wilderness, the spring on the way to Shur. And he said, Hagar, servant of Sarai, where have you come from, and where are you going? She said, I am fleeing from my mistress, Sarah. The angel of the Lord said to her, Return to your mistress and submit to her. The angel of the Lord also said to her, I will surely multiply your offspring so that they cannot be numbered for multitude. And the angel of the Lord said to her, Behold, you are pregnant and shall bear a son. You shall call his name Ishmael. Because the Lord has listened to your affliction, he shall be a wild donkey of a man, his hand against everyone, and everyone's hand against him. And he shall dwell over all his kinsmen. So she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her. You are a God of seeing, for she said, Truly, here I have seen him who looks after me. Therefore the well was called Beer Lahe Roy. It lies behind between Kadesh and Beret. And Hagar bore Abram a son. And Abram called the name of his son, whom Hagar bore Ishmael. Abram was 86 years old when Hagar bore Ishmael to Abram. This is God's word. Thank you, Sandra, for reading God's Word. It is always good to be able to worship God in person and with fellow believers. Since January, we have been going through a sermon series on the theme, Generations of Grace, covering Genesis chapter 12 to 50. Let us briefly recollect what was taught last week, as some of you may have missed that. In chapter 15, 
Eugene taught us how God reached out to Abraham with his word in his time of anxiety and distress. God, in his kindness, showed Abraham that his offspring shall be as many as the stars in the sky. And God made a covenant with Abraham of the promised land by going through a physical covenantal ritual. Without any part of Abraham's involvement, God is the one that will keep his covenant of promise regardless of Abraham's action. And Abraham believed God. Chapter 15 is a high point in the book of Genesis. And we might expect that things will proceed well from there on. But in chapter 16, we will find that this is not so, as we will read that Abraham and his family fell short of God's glory. And sin has again come between God and man. Before we dive into this, today's morning passage, let us go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we come from different seasons of life and we come from different weeks of stress and struggle. And this time we just want to cast all the distraction and what is in our hearts at your feet, O oh Lord. And we just want to be quiet and listen to your voice. Lord, help us to listen what you want to speak to us and not what we chose to listen and give us a heart of flesh to listen and respond. We commit this time of listening unto you that your word will go forth and achieve its purpose. Thank you and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Two points, sermon outline. One, God's plan in man's fallen way, verses 1 to 6. Two, God's grace in man's mess, verses 7 to 16. I'm sure we have all been in a situation where we have struggled to trust and wait on God's promises, especially in the country we live in called Singapore. Everything we want fast and now. Perhaps you know that God knows all our needs and will provide for them. But you have been waiting for months for a job offer, which doesn't seem to be coming. Or after all these years of waiting, you find yourself still single, unmarried, desiring a life partner to start a family with, or even to have children. Or you desire to give your life full time for the gospel work. But nothing seems to happen. In chapter 16, we find Abraham in a similar situation. Remember the conversation between God and Abraham in Genesis 15, verses 3 and 4? Abraham said, Behold, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. The Lord had clearly promised Abraham, You will have your own son. And Moses, the narrator, tells us that Abraham believed the Lord and he counted it to him as righteousness. But right from the start of chapter 16, there seems to be a problem. Moses writes in verse 1, Now Sarai, Abraham's wife, had borne him no children. At this point, they had been waiting 10 years for God's promises. Abraham is 85 years old 
and Sarai is 75. How will Abraham have descendants as many as the stars in the sky without a son yet? And they are getting old in age. Let's read on to verse 3. She had an Egyptian servant, female Egyptian servant, whose name was Hagar. And Sarai said to Abraham, Behold now, the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. Go into my servant. It may be that I shall obtain children by her. And Abraham listened to the voice of Sarai. So, after Abraham has, had lived ten years in the land of Canaan, Sarai, Abraham's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian, her servant, and gave her to Abraham, her husband, as a wife. Here it is recorded for us that Sarai had borne no children, which implied a human's inability to do something. In this case, unable to conceive. Instead of seeking God, Sarai blamed God. It is as if Sarai is telling God, God, I am barren because you make me like that. You have prevented me from having children. While it may be true, as God is the creator and sovereign and in control of all things, what Sarai failed to see is this, the God whom they believe is powerful and he not only makes promises but keeps them. He is not limited by human inability or, or, or any forces of this world. We see the fulfillment in Genesis 21 verse 2 that Sarai conceived a son. God's plan works and is fulfilled according to his time and not our own. You may have heard the song in his time. He makes all things beautiful in his time. Reference to Ecclesiastes 3.11. If you do not know this song, means you are not of my age. Right? It has been a very long time, this song. Instead of blaming God, the right thing for Sarai to do would have been to inquire of God in her anxiety and distress, like Abraham has done. Remember we read last week, God reached out to Abraham who has a problem and he talks it out with God. And he addresses Abraham's anxiety and doubt. But in this case, Sarai sees her persistent barrenness and she perceives that God is preventing her from having a child. So, she concludes that the only logical way to obtain children is through her servant, Hagar. Very smart. Piecing all this together, we can see the foolishness in the wisdom of man. We think that we are smarter than God by bending God's way of doing things. Since God closes all doors, shouldn't we help God to get things done in our way since there's no other way? How often we ourselves taught in this way. If God cannot, we can. Is that true? It is a lie. Where did, God, where did Abraham and Sarai get this idea of having a child through Hagar? Let me give us some cultural context. In those days, it was culturally acceptable to have many wives. And if the wife could not bear children, the husband expects his wife to provide a maidservant to bear children for her. 
But we know that this culturally acceptable practice is completely against God's glorious design for marriage. One man, one woman. As we have studied in Genesis 2.24, Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Isn't it so easy for us to become comfortable and okay with the holy system that we live in, which is enmity to God? Or what may be acceptable in our society, such as pornography, or couples staying together before marriage that are contrary to God's word? How should we then resist the world system into our life? and keep oneself pure before the Lord. Paul instructs us in Romans 12.2, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Here on one hand, we have the temptation of this world, and on the other hand, the holiness of God and His Word. Beloved, as children of God, we need to constantly fill our minds with God's Word so that our mind may be renewed with more and more of God's truth and less and less of the things of this world. How then are we going to fill our minds with God's Word if you and I don't read it? Sometimes, you and I don't read it for weeks, sometimes for months. That is why in my conversation during the course of my ministry, interacting with brothers and sisters, I will always encourage you to intentionally set aside time daily to come before the Lord for your much-needed daily portion as we face the struggles and trial of this life. There is no other better way, my friends, than allowing the Lord to fill our minds with His Word and let the Word shape your heart through the indwelling Spirit. For a start, find a good devotional guide that will help you systematically build your spiritual discipline. This is not legalism. This practice is good for your soul. Do ask the elders or your care group leaders to help you get started. Don't delay anymore. So, you know the plan for Abraham to have a child through Hagar was definitely wrong and sinful, though culturally acceptable. It violated Hagar, Abraham, Sarai, and their marriage. And Moses clearly tries to show us. Look at how he described in verse 1. Now Sarai, Abraham's wife, he emphasized their marriage relationship again in verse 3, Sarai, Abraham's wife. And if that is not enough, one more time in verse 3, Abraham, Sarai's wife, Sarai's husband, sorry. Moses is clear, Sarai is Abraham's wife and Abraham is Sarai's husband. This is the marriage relationship through which God will fulfill His promise, no other way. And so it is clear that their much-taught plan is man's plan carried out in man's way. Look at the words used to describe what happened. It says, Sarai, Abraham's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian, her servant, 
and gave her to Abraham, her husband, as a wife, and he went in to Hagar. I tend to think that Moses is showing us that this is a repeat of the fall in Genesis 3.6, where Eve took off his fruit and ate it, and she gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate. And just like the fall in the Garden of Eden, this was not only Sarai's fault. We have the fall of Abraham. In verse 2, Moses tells us that just as Adam listened to the voice of his wife and ate of the tree which God has commanded them not to, in Genesis 3.17, Abraham also listened to the voice of Sarai and he went in to Hagar. Here, I want to speak to the sisters in our knees. You are created equally with men in God's image. Moses is not saying you can't speak. If not, your home will be rather quiet, isn't it? I myself have two women in my family. To know whether they are at home or they are asleep is determined by the noise level. Yes, surely you can speak. And as husband, you can listen to your wife's views and suggestions. If not, you may have to eat up all the days of your life. It is real. The issue here is when Sarai suggested to Abraham the plan of having Hagar as his children and to have children, Abraham listened to his wife, worldly and God-dishonoring counsel. Abraham was also responsible for it as he agreed with it. The plan allowed it to happen and follow through with it. Is it wrong for a wife to give suggestions? No. Is it wrong for a wife to initiate a conversation or discussion? No. Is it wrong for a husband to listen to his wife? You know the answer. All these are part of communication that we strongly encourage couples to have within the family. It helps to build a strong and healthy relationship between them. Husband, as head of the household, is to listen and act in ways that are according to God's will. The problem here is this. Both Sarai and Abraham were wrong to go along with a human plan that is contrary to God's word and way. The biblical marital roles don't necessarily mean that all decision-making should be left to the husband. Rather, it means that the husband is to sacrificially love his wife and his love should compel him to lead her to follow and obey God. The roles of husband and wife are distinctively different and these are defined and given by God. These roles are not based on capability and are not interchangeable. The leading and submissive submission roles are one of the recurring problems that most couples face regardless of years of marriage. Family problems start to surface when these roles are turned upside down by man's fallen nature. Husband, love your wife just as Christ loved the church. Wives, submit to, to Christ. Wives, submit to your husband as the church submits to Christ so that whatever you do, it may bring glory to God. Not glory to one another, not to please one another, but only glory to God. 
So whether you are a wife or husband or in any other relationship, live up your role that God has called you into. Non-negotiable. We have talked about the fall of Abraham and Sarai, but there are three characters in this passage. Let's read on verses 4 to 6. The fall of Hagar. And he went into Hagar, and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, she looked with contempt on her mistress. And Sarai said to Abraham, May the wrong done to me be on you. I gave my servant to your embrace. And when she saw that she had conceived, she looked on me with contempt. May the Lord judge between you and me. But Abraham said to Sarai, Behold, your servant is in your power. Do to her as you please. Then Sarai dealt harshly with her, and she fled from her. Sad, isn't it, that such incident happened with Abraham? It does happen in our own life. What is Hagar's sin? Isn't she a victim of this circumstance? Yes, she is. Didn't she simply follow her mistress Sarai's instruction? Yes, she did. Hagar sinned against God because she showed contempt towards her mistress, Sarai. We are told that when Hagar saw that she had conceived, she despised Sarai. It may be due to her ability to conceive immediately, whereas Sarai is unable to conceive for so many years. And then she ran away from her responsibility as a servant. And that's why in verse 9, the angel of the Lord said to her, Return to your mistress, and submit to her. As we sum up verses 1 to 6, we see that one thing is clear. God's plan in man's fallen way makes a mess. What were the consequences of the sins of Abraham and Sarai? Their compromise with God's intended will resulted in bitterness and conflict within the family. It brought suffering to the entire family. And the consequences carried on to further generations even till today, you know, with the descendants of Ishmael in endless, constant chaos and conflict. This is the first recorded marital conflict since the fall of man in the Garden of Eden. And we see similar results here. Blame shifting and shirking of responsibility. Sarai blamed Abraham for her distress and Abraham shook from his responsibility to lead and shepherd his wife in the way of the Lord. And if that is not bad enough, he gives Sarai another opportunity to sin, which sounds like giving Sarai the green light to sin, telling Sarai to do to Hagar what she pleases, resulting in her treating Hagar harshly. Such thing does happen. Something important is missing here, seeking and praying. This incident helps us to see the need of being in community, whether in a church like this or in a small setting like care group. If the struggles are shared with one another, we can receive godly counsel and accountability to one another in the faith. We are often blinded by our own actions, selfish and prideful hearts. That is why we need one another, my friends. We do not live alone. God created us for community. 
Another way of seeking God is to persevere in prayer. Prayer is every Christian offensive weapon in engaging the warfare in the spiritual darkness. Prayer is work and it works. I got to remember a quote by Hassan Taylor when I was a very young believer. It says, when we work, we work. But when we pray, God works. Our inability tempts us not to believe and trust in God's ability. Our wisdom clouds our understanding of God's wisdom. We rather act than wait for God to act because it puts us in the control seat. Our action gives way to sight, while waiting gives way to faith. Now, it's so easy for me and you to point our finger at Sarai, Abraham, and say that they have no faith, they have no patience, cannot wait. But take a good look at our own self. We too feel many times in the area of trusting and waiting on God. Even this past one week, how many times we have not waited for the Lord? Isn't this what you and I are tempted to do when we are faced with difficult circumstances? When the heat of the world is pressing upon us to the point where we are almost up to the brim, what local we always go, cannot breathe. What do we do? Do we cry out, Where are you, Lord? And seek His mercy and grace? Do we take time to pause? Like the psalmist in 46.10, Be still and know that He is God. And go on our knees to seek Him for help. Or is it our default mode is to quickly put our thoughts together based on what we know and what we have and devise a plan and carry out ASAP? Maybe we are tempted to help God provide for our needs by making our own plan from the start, imparting our life, time and energy, devoting to financial pursuit or even raising a family instead of devoting time and energy to God, loving and serving Him and His people and at the same time trusting that God will provide for our needs, finding our own way of meeting our sexual needs through sinful and worldly pleasures. While we should be doers of God's word, it has to be done in His way. But just as Abraham and Sarai, we are tempted to do God's will in our way. Again, similar to my age, I did it my way, Andy Williams, right? The young people may not know. But you know God's word, right? The means cannot justify the end goals. God's will done in one, in God's way bring great blessings of joy and peace. God's will done in man's way will result in great pain and suffering. Not only on ourselves, but also our loved ones around us. But God is sovereign. Whatever happened in our life, in this journey of faith, on this foreign land, like Abraham, nothing will prevent God from accomplishing His perfect plan. Let's look at Romans 8.28. How many of us can say confidently and with full conviction 
what it says when things are not happening the way we wanted it to happen. Beloved, let us take full assurance from God's Word. It says, We know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to His purpose. When we look down at our surrounding circumstances, we might not see how God's promises and His plans can be fulfilled. But if we look up at our God Almighty, then our faith in God will be strengthened. And we can wait with expectation that His promises will be fulfilled. What difficult situation in your life right now is causing you to doubt God's promises? Let Psalm 130 verses 5 and 6 encourage your heart. It says, I wait for the Lord, my soul waits, and in His word I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than watchmen for the morning. More than watchmen for the morning. When we wait, we can wait with great expectations from the Lord. Just as the watchman, morning will surely come. God will surely work out His perfect promises in His perfect way and perfect timing and through our imperfect life. To see how God's lessons is being played out or rather live out in reality, we will now watch a video testimony from our very own member, Joanna. Hi Church, I'm Joanna, and I just want to share with you my thanksgiving to God for how He has worked in my situation recently and how He has worked in my heart especially. I've been working in Singapore for the past 10 years or so, and last year there were major changes in the policies and requirements, which made it virtually impossible for my employer to apply for the renewal of my work visa, which is expiring by end of March 2022. So as early as September last year, she started to like trying different options that were available to us so I can continue working for her. But one after another, we received rejection. And even in January, when she finally applied for the renewal of my work visa, it was also rejected. And she had to submit the appeal from September last year up to January this year. It was a, a long period of like really challenging time for me because it was during within this period that my mom passed away and I had so many questions in my mind like why are all these things happening all at once and will God really take me back home to Philippines where I'm not sure if there's a church where I could get plugged in and continue to be discipled and continue to grow in the Lord so I thank God for giving me the desire to to seek to live faithfully while waiting, even though I didn't know how it looks like at first. But having other members of GPC reach out to me and pray for me, encourage me in God's word, it was really, really encouraging. And watching your lives and seeing your own struggles and how you continue to press on despite of it, it was encouraging to me 
And I realized that faithfulness may look differently in each one of us, that there's a common truth behind it, that faithfulness only means trusting in God's faithfulness. And so I was able to pray that may his will be done because I can trust him. He's good that whether he lets me stay or takes me back home to Philippines, that ultimately it will be for my good in light of eternity and it will be for his glory. And so I can continue living day by day with gratitude and hope. And I can boldly tell him that I wanted to stay and I hope it is your will for me to stay. And last Monday, we received the news that appeal was actually granted and my work visa was approved. And I'm just so happy about it. And I'm thankful to God, not just for letting me stay, but for giving me the, the grace, the comfort, the strength that I needed, even the food, even the faith during the period of waiting. And I thank God for you and all glory to him who supplies all means according to his riches in glory, Christ Jesus. The Lord, praise the Lord. Uh, Joanna's visa is being approved last week. All glory to God. Now we come to the second point of the sermon. God's grace in man's mess. The angel of the Lord found her by a spring of water in the wilderness, the spring on the way to Shur. And he said, Hagar, servant of Sarai, where have you come from and where are you going? She said, I am freeing from my mistress Sarai. The angel of the Lord said to her, Return to your mistress and submit to her. The angel of the Lord also said to her, I will surely multiply your offspring so that they cannot be numbered for multitude. As Hagar flees from Sarai, imagine her emotional state, rejected, abused, pregnant, and all alone in the wilderness. Abraham and Sarai see Hagar as a tool or object to fulfill their desire or want. But God sees Hagar as a person, precious in His sight, created in His image. When the angel of the Lord asked Hagar, Where have you come from and where are you going? Hagar honestly revealed that she is fleeing from her mistress, Sarai. But she didn't answer the second part of the question. She simply didn't know how to answer as she was literally lost. Hagar is, in, is lost in the wilderness. Have you been in the wilderness? I don't think so. It is a patch of land that almost nothing in it and it's a harsh place that no one would want to be in. She is in need of direction and help at that moment. She is in the wilderness. This is how Hagar feels at that moment. Lost with many needs but no help inside. How is she going to survive in this ordeal? Despite of Hagar, sinfulness and being an Egyptian who worships idol, she did not seek God. But God is the one who seeks her out. God gave her hope and a blessing similar to Abraham. But this blessing is followed by a command that requires obedience on the part of Hagar. Hagar has to return to her mistress and submit to her according to God's will. What causes Hagar to obey God's command whom she doesn't know? Hagar has a personal encounter with God. 
God's assurance given to her addressed her fears and granted her peace and comfort. Certainly, she has many fears and uncertainties. And the many, what ifs? What if Sarai abuses her or mistreats her again? What if Sarai rejects her? Or even she couldn't, she couldn't get to keep her child, Ismail. Hegai, Hegai knew that this God who spoke to her knows her needs. As verse 13 says, So she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her, You are a God of seeing. For she said, Truly here I have seen him who looks after me. He is a God who not only sees Hagar as one with many needs, but also looks after her needs. Hagar encountered with God demonstrate how God poured out His grace despite man's sinfulness. And grace is something that we receive, not based on what we have, what we do, but just the pleasure of God. This is evident in the way she called out her own name for her newfound God, a personal name. You are a God who sees. And even name, renamed the well that she was resting. The well of the living one who sees me. The same gracious God of seeing and meeting the needs of Hagar has also drawn near to us in the person of His Son, Jesus Christ. And turning to my non-Christian friends among us or even online, you may be like Hagar in the wilderness, feeling lost and do not know where you are going. Life's a mess without hope and meaning. Perhaps you have tried many ways to find direction and meaning in life, but to no avail. The brokenness that you now live and experience is the consequence of sin. Because of sin, God's wrath is upon us. But there is good news for you. Not only has God seen the problem of sin, but He has done something about it. God sent His Son Jesus into the world to die for our sins so that through Christ, you and I may have eternal life. He lived a perfect life on earth, shed His precious blood and died on that cruel cross so that you and I may receive forgiveness of our sins. He took on the, punish, on the, he took on the punishment and suffering on our behalf. We, could, we should have been there. He was buried and on the third day, God raised him from the dead so that you and I can have victory over death. Jesus is the only way to come to God. And the Bible tells us the only way is by grace and through faith. It is not based on righteousness of ourselves, anything, but in Christ and Christ alone. This is the good news of Jesus Christ. Friends, Turn away from your sins and turn to Jesus and accept Him as into your life as Lord and Savior. He is the God of seeing, knowing, and meeting. Feel free to speak to any of the elders or your friends. We would love to share more of Christ and His love. Now to our brothers and sisters in Christ, like Abraham and Sarai, we all make a mess in our lives. Our sins might have led to broken and strained relationships with family members, friends, or even church members. 
we might be feeling guilty, helpless, and discouraged as we look at our life this past one week. Take heart, my friends. Though we may have failed God many times, our Heavenly Father knows and sees us and He will pick us up where we have fallen. He's gracious and faithful and He cares even for the sparrows and even one sparrow dropped to the ground. He knows. What more about you and me? Make in this image, called to be God's children. Remember, this is your God. His grace is sufficient for what you need at this moment. One of the hardest things in life is to trust and wait, whether you are a believer or not, especially so in Singapore. God is working as we wait for His will to be done in His way. It is in moments of faithful trusting and waiting that we come to know God intimately and His plan for us. You have heard the testimony of Joanna, how that is being lifted up, and that is God's grace in itself. As we close this hour of worship, let us be reminded that the God who reaches out to Abraham, Sarai, and Hagar is a promise-keeping God. Continue to trust and wait for God's promises regarding of your situation. Resist the temptation to do God's will in our own sinful way. This gracious God, who calls and draws you to Himself through Christ, He is faithful, though we are faithless. He is the Lord God who will never fail in His promises, but all of them will surely come to pass till Christ returns. Only be strong and courageous, trusting and waiting on His promises. I believe God has spoken to you and me today. His word has convicted your heart of sin. Whether you are a child of God or you have yet to receive Christ, repent of your sins and in brokenness come to Lord Jesus and He will surely satisfy your soul. In our song of response, it says, Out of the depth, I cry to you, Lord. In darkest places, I will call. Incline your ear to me anew and hear my cry for mercy, O Lord. Yes, I will wait for you. I will wait for you. On your word, I will rely. And I will wait for you. Surely wait for you till my soul is satisfied. So put your hope in God alone, my friends. Take courage in His power to save. Completely and forever won by Christ emerging from the grave. I will wait for you. I will wait for you, O Lord. Through the storm and through the night, I will wait for you. Surely wait for you. For your love is my delight. Let us pray. Father, we thank you that your word has spoken to each one of us in many different ways. Father, you know where we are coming from. What is the condition of our heart. How do we feel? Lord, you know everything. And therefore, we can come to you with full confidence that you are God who sees, knows, and meets our needs. And so, Father, I pray that as we cry out to you through this song, may our soul be satisfied only 
in and through Christ alone. Thank you. Pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.